We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Friday, the second day of September, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and the fan favorite, somewhere between iconic and psychotic, Lord Marty Foster. Lord Foster, how are you this evening? I'm very well. Thank you very much for asking. That was incredibly nice of you to do so. And Bruce, how are you? Dare I ask? Healthy and alive, actually. Um, enjoying another lovely thunderstorm outside. Um, it, it's actually really nice. So I've got a lineup today. Uh, I've I've been holding this stuff back. I, I wanted to talk about something specific today. We talked about it a little bit last week, but I've been kind of holding it back, waiting to see where all of it's going to go. Uh, and it seems to be just spiraling out of control. I thought we would talk about anarchy, specifically in the UK. What prompted me to do this was... I guess the craziness that we're seeing out of the uh, the UK police departments, and of course now the uh, the NHS is all uh, on with that as well. Now now it takes like 16 hours to get somebody to respond with an ambulance service. I mean, it's just it, it's crazy. But more to the point, specifically, if you don't have medical response, well, then you're going to have injured people at events where you've got out of control people. So you kind of need emergency services to all work together here, and they're not. They're busy celebrating something. I, I'm not quite sure what, but we'll get into that. Uh, but what prompted this was a lead up. I saw a, a string of crimes across the UK last week, it, not just relegated to say like, you know, London or, uh, or or something like that. Because when most people think of the UK that are outside of England, they think of just like London is everything. Uh, and that's not the case. There is more than one place in, in England. But I saw two people in Knightsbridge get beat down and robbed of their watches in broad daylight. I saw this. I saw video of this. That was last week. I saw two guys on scooters smash out the windscreen or windshield, if you're from the US, <laughs> smash out the windscreen of a Bugatti Veyron in London, which I, I don't know if anybody knows, but that is probably one of the most expensive supercars in the world, just so they could uh, steal the watch off the man's arm. Uh, I also saw there was a, a nine-year-old girl who was shot in her home, shot and killed in her home. We saw the case of the... Um, uh, the ATM getting robbed in, um, uh, I can't remember where that was. It wasn't Leicester, was it? No, it wasn't Leicester. I want to say it was... Birmingham? Birmingham. That was it. It was in Birmingham. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we saw the uh, the McDonald's, uh, the McDonald's in uh, uh, in Nottingham. That uh, And I was I was kind of joking about that. I said, where's the sheriff of Nottingham to go in there and, and knock all those people out? Leeds, there was a machete attack by two men in the middle of broad daylight down the middle of one of the main streets there. They were just pulling out machetes and just hacking at each other and passerbys and, and everything. So all of these things to say... Uh, leading up to what was the Notting Hill Carnival. And that's when I saw that it just went absolutely crazy. So I, I thought we would discuss a little bit of this today because this is just uh, this is just getting out of control. Uh, I've got a lot of video, a lot of audio to run today uh, that we're going to get to across various things. Uh, but just to give you an idea, let's, let's just start with um, not going into detail on all the other crimes that I mentioned, but just to give an idea, I listed those because those are specific points major crimes that have taken place where no police action has been taken in the UK, not any whatsoever. But just the Notting Hill Carnival, because that's kind of like the, the buildup of all those crimes taking place where there's no police response. And then this is like the end result, the uh, the Notting Hill Carnival. So I want to just give an idea uh, as to the... Actually, i tell you what. Marty, why don't you explain what the Notting Hill Carnival is first, to those that don't know, and then I will go down the list of offenses that took place after that. Okay. After the Second World War, uh, and first of all, I'd like to thank you for um, reminding everybody that there is more than one city in Great Britain, because uh, I've, I've experienced that many times. Oh, you're from England. Do you, do you live in London? No, no, I don't. And it's usually an American asking the question. No offense, America. Actually, it's up to you whether you take offense or not. So 
Notting Hill Carnival. After the Second World War, we had been greatly reduced in population, which was something we mentioned the other day, wasn't it, on the podcast, possibly the last one I was on, where you had this this cyclic 40 to 20 years major conflict in Europe, which cut us all down to size and kept the populations low. So what we did was we opened up immigration to our colonies and protectorates all around the world, but quite significantly in the West Indies and the Caribbean, they have a a tradition of carnival uh, out there. And uh, it's it's all the like in in the Bahamas you have Junkanoo, which is like Christmas and Easter all rolled into one. I've I've been in Nassau for a Junkanoo, and it is an absolutely fantastic experience. Uh, big floats, floral decorated floats with samba groups dancing and soca music. But it was um, one of the places where I have also had a gun pulled on me during the parade. I broke that the guy's guy. elbow by kicking. Yeah, yeah, that poor guy. Unfortunately, he, he, he wasn't quick enough, and I, I did break his elbow with a kick and made him drop the gun. But enough about me. So what we have in London are lots and lots of West Indian nurses coming across to help out the NHS at the time, or the health service at the time. Uh, we have people to drive the trains and the buses and other workers, all from the West Indies, and they quite rightly wanted to bring some of their culture with them and the Notting Hill Carnival kind of evolved from those cultures and it's a great excuse for a party Uh, and it also breaks down racial barriers because anyone can join in you know that it was welcoming uh, and a fun event unfortunately later on when you've got um, influence like the Yardie gangs from Jamaica and other organized crime groups uh, and and gang culture happening within London amongst the the next generations of these initial raft of immigration, it started to turn violent and ugly and become a policing problem. Now, I have absolutely got no problem at all with police in uniform dancing along with the crowd. Because at the end of the day, if they witnessed a crime while they're sambering or reggaeing along the road, they would immediately stop dancing and go and solve the problem. The fact that they're joining in, I think, should go to a certain extent to resolve these issues and to diffuse tension, those kind of things. But there does seem to be rather a lot of it. The odd one here and there wouldn't hurt, but um, it seems to be en masse now. They've got their own dance teams. They're probably even going to have their own float in the next one. Yeah. Anyway, you asked me what the Notting Hill Carnival is about, and that's what it's about. Thank you for explaining that. Going down the list of offenses here, let's take a uh, keeping in mind all of the aforementioned uh, other crimes and other major crimes that have gone, I guess, unabated, unresponded to and, and all the rest of it. Just at Notting Hill, let's take a look at this. Now, I understand that there are people that go to these things. I mean, think of it like Mardi Gras or something in the US, in, in New Orleans. People go to those things. Of course, there's going to be a, a large number of offenses committed. <laughs> of course, that's going to happen. But I expect that in America. Why? Because Americans can't behave most of the time. You give them a little bit of freedom, you let them drink on the streets, and they just they just run wild with it, and no one can no one can behave. I expect that out of the U.S. Out of the U.K., a little different, a little different. But you did put it into context pretty well, so I'm starting to get it. At the Notting Hill Carnival this year, 74 police officers injured, one female cop headlocked and sexually assaulted, eight other sexual assaults, countless acts of vandalism and theft, one murder, six other stabbings, and a record number of knives seized after 441 stop and frisks and a total of 209 arrests. The arrests consisted of the following, 36 counts of possession of drugs, 5 criminal damaging, 27 public disorders, 46 assaults, 8 sexual assaults, 10 possessions of psychoactive substances, 33 possessions of offensive weapons, 7 DUIs, uh, driving under the influence, and 35 other miscellaneous crimes, one theft and one robbery. That is um, that that is quite horrendous, uh, I have to say. The type of, um, well, I'm just going to run some B-roll here behind me. Uh, the type of behavior that goes on uh, at this kind of thing. I mean, you, you also have to look and think about public safety when this type of thing goes on. You've got people jumping on top of uh, bus stops, it looks like. I, I believe that's what that was. Yeah, that's, that's a bus stop. 
and yep. uh, the and young lady collapsed. Yep. with some friends was twerking on top of the bus stop, yes. and uh-huh. it broke. Yeah, um, and as you can see here, the police, they're, um, they're well, they're doing their job uh, as best as they can to the, to the best of their abilities. You certainly see that here. And, and yeah, that that's, that's totally inappropriate. I mean, having uh, a young lady rub herself all over you um, while you're stood there in uniform policing uh, what should be a peaceful, fun, enjoyable um, festival. As a police officer, he should have stopped that from happening, removed himself from the situation. I mean, it doesn't have to go straight to an arrest. He oh, should have just not. stepped back, yeah. but he stayed where he was. Look, Boris um, today has posted on Facebook about, yeah, I think they've recruited something like 17,000 now out of the uh, 20,000 new uh, police officers. And what's happened with the British police service, because you're not allowed to call it a force anymore because that, that's got two nasty connotations. Of course it um, What you've got now, or what you, you ha- used to have, was experienced senior constables um, who were good at their job, senior sergeants. They got fed up with the lack of support and the lack of funding and all the criticism for trying to do their job uh, whilst being undermined by our own government. Government's bad, Bruce. And so they left. They left the force, the service, sorry. There's a vacuum. And the Tory underfunding was what reduced the the number of police officers in this country by about 30,000 who took retirement early or just left. And so now they're going to be replaced with these extra 20,000. And what these 20,000 are, are malleable, easily influenced lackeys, basically, If we saw the examples during COVID of the police in Australia and the way in which they dealt with the public, bearing in mind that it's still part of the Commonwealth and we are policed by consent, they 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 forgot that we're supposed we're supposed to be. So forgive me if I'm if I'm not celebrating the fact that we've got seventeen thousand out of the um, expected twenty thousand police officers, because I've got absolutely. There we go. Someone doing the Macarena. A pair of well, it's yep. one police officer. No, there's two. Yeah, um, she's a, she's an officer as well. And also, while I was talking earlier, there was the murder that that was the the stabbing of a yep. young rapper, and you know his family have all said what an absolute angel he was, and such a nice guy, and a talent that we shouldn't be losing. And you know they're they're probably right, but why was he stabbed? That wasn't a random act. That was a gang fight. That was a hit yeah. from one gang to another. That's the problem. Now, we've been locked up for two years, thanks to uh, the pandemic, and the actual policing and behaviour at the Notting Hill Carnival had year on year improved up to this point. And this is a clear case of people just letting off steam, but in a totally uncontrolled manner. Uh, and it's it's embarrassing for, for me uh, uh, as an Englishman to see these these pictures. And I'm sure our listeners will find these on our Telegram page, but they're all over the internet anyway. They're on YouTube. They're on TikTok. They're just about everywhere. Other forms of uh, social scoring, sorry, social media are also available. You had it right the first time. Yeah, I'm, I know. I know. But yeah, I mean, you started today talking about anarchy, anarchy in the UK, which was a great hit by the Sex Pistols, as it happens. Anarchy, and now, Bruce, can you just look up the definition? Because my definition uh, of anarchy isn't necessarily what everyone thinks it is. To me, anarchy is self-rule. You're not reliant on anybody else. So if um, if the excrement hits the fan then you've got to rely on your own ability to to look after yourself, your property, your loved ones, your family, your friends, because no one's coming to help you, because that anarchy is an absence of formal government. And as we all agree, government is bad. Is anarchy actually a bad thing? So what's the dictionary definition, Bruce? So there's three here. Absence of any form of political authority, political disorder and confusion, and the third is absence of any cohesive principle, such as common standard or purpose. Well, I think the first one is the actual original. The other two are what have become synonymous with the word anarchy. That's 
That's how any breakdown, any rioting is described. Oh, it's anarchy, basically, because it's such a of such a large scale, local authorities, law enforcement can't cope with it. We saw it in the um in the rioting after the George Floyd debacle, you know, we, we saw that happening. And when some people like uh oh, do you know what? I I'm really sorry, but I've forgotten his name, the young man who was attacked whilst trying to protect local businesses and local people. Um, Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse, I just remembered. He knew he knew that no one in, in a blue uniform was coming to help those people, and he took it upon himself to go and try and protect people in small businesses in, in that area. Well, that's what it and, comes down uh, to. That's what it comes down yeah. to. If, if the police cannot respond to you, it's on you. That's just the way that it is. I, I know they say, I'm not, and I'm not talking about like vigilante justice here. That's Don't misunderstand, please. I'm simply saying, if the police, if you ring up the police and say, hey, I've got gangs of, of hoodlums running, uh, running amok through my neighborhood and they're going house to house, you need to get some officers down here. And they say, we're dealing with a blanket robbery issue on the other side of town. We don't have any officers. So do what you can. That's what the dispatcher should be telling you. That's right. However, that third description or that third definition, Bruce, what was it? Uh, an absence of moral code or something like that? Yep. Bruce is nodding for the benefit of the listener. That's our problem. That is the problem. Uh, and that's why I said oh, it was terribly nice of you to um, uh, introduce me thusly. And I've been thinking about why are we nice to each other all day? It doesn't matter whether you're a card-carrying Christian, Muslim, Jew, Hindu, Buddhist, or whatever. You, you All of these religions with a code of conduct of how to be to people, you know, otherwise you're not going to wind up in heaven, paradise, nirvana, or wherever. It doesn't matter whether you're one of those. You can be the strongest or self-willed atheist or agnostic on the planet. You still have a duty to be nice to people and live by a, a, a code of standards. Don't steal, don't murder, help wherever you can, all of those things. Yes, people do get the message through religion, but really just living life and knowing how in certain situations when you really needed some help, if so, if there wasn't someone able to give you that help, how did you feel? How did you get through? It's a bad time. So it's it's what goes around comes around and it's just good to be nice. So anarchy can work if people live by a set of standards, if they live by a certain code. And going way back you know, I'm talking here in the UK, maybe four, four to 6,000 years, the old pagan code of do as you will, but harm none. That's all you have to realize is, is the only way to, to really live your life. Do exactly what you want, but you must harm no one in the process. And what was happening there at, um, at the Notting Hill Carnival was disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Have you ever been to New Orleans, New Orleans during Mardi Gras? I have not, no. And I've always been told, don't drink when I go there. Of course, I don't drink, but so it doesn't really matter. But um, I've always been told, don't drink, because you see a different side of Mardi Gras than what the yeah. party goers see. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you're sober and you walk into a nightclub or, or even a carnival like that, and you just see what people are doing and how much they've let themselves go. In the Notting Hill Carnival, there's, there's, a, there's a video of a large black woman um, who really didn't go dressed for a fist fight. Whereas in, in New Orleans, you, um, you, you normally have to give beads to, to get what she had on show. Yes, that's true. Um, the bead necklaces, and she, yeah. there she is in the middle of a street, involved in a fist fight, children around, minors, other people who just didn't want to see her tits but they got to see them and they didn't even have to give her any beads. Um, so if you're going to go for a fist fight, wear something a bit closer and tighter fitting is my advice. It's good advice to uh, pass along to uh, carnival goers. I, I want to play a clip here of somebody that I did not appreciate uh, during the uh, the COVID lockdowns. That's a radio host on LBC named Nick Ferrari. He's supposedly the uh, conservative voice on there, or, or something of that nature, or the uh, the voice of opposition. Yeah, of some yeah, type. yeah. But the whole the whole of LBC is yeah, is yeah, just it's a, yeah, yeah. It's pretty. You pretty know, it's, it's leftist, and yeah, yeah. Um, 
Nick Ferrari just plays devil's advocate every now and again, and uh-huh. usually. Let's let's go for it. Play the I'd, clip, my friend. Yeah, yeah. I I just like to say I was disgusted by the standpoint that he took when we were talking about jab mandates for people, and he was talking about okay, um, if you don't want to take a jab, five hundred pound fine. Okay, you still don't want to take it, thousand pound fine, seventeen fifty, two thousand until you get your act together. That really pissed me off. So I'm not I, I'm not yeah. endorsing uh, the the guy here. I'm just I'm just simply playing what I believe he actually got right, even though, uh, as you pointed out, he's playing devil's advocate. And Bruce mentioned last night after we were reviewing this uh, this audio that uh, it's just controlled opposition. It's just for show. But it's exactly what it is on LBC. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he does. He does get it right, uh, especially by the uh, the topics that we're covering here today. This is Lawless UK. OK, make no mistake about this whatsoever was focusing on Notting Hill and Mac you're saying why can't we talk about that other case Notting Hill is a live event no it's not the other one it's got an arrest Mac you are the inspector Cluzo of legal experts once arrest has been made that's when you can't talk about it until an arrest you are able to as journalists cover it but this is lawless UK okay and again I have to tread carefully but a nine-year-old girl loses her life in a home in Liverpool a 21-year-old man is stabbed at the Notting Hill Carnival up in Reading and Leeds. They use armed police, armed police, to break up the festivities there. Two weekends ago, 50 yobs smashed the McDonald's restaurant in Nottingham, filming themselves as they threatened staff, robbed the till and made off with arms full of food. Filming themselves. There is no fear of any repercussion in this country whatsoever. No fear whatsoever. In London two weekends ago, two would-be thieves on scooters tried to smash the class of a Bugatti supercar so they could nick the bloke's watch. Half a mile down the road in Knightsbridge, if you don't know London, about half a mile down the road from Hyde Park, two innocent people walking by with expensive watches, both were, uh, both were robbed of their watches, right? So this, and meanwhile, meanwhile, the icing on the bloody cake in Lincoln two weekends ago, the police were dancing the Macarena with their idiot chief constable saying, it's important you see what's behind the uniform. What the hell do you mean, you oaf? We don't want to see what's behind the uniform. We want to see that uniform so that people respect. I don't say fear. I don't want fear, but I want respect. So that 50, I would imagine, young men, I don't know, I wasn't at the McDonald's restaurant in Notting that was left in glass and shreds and tatters when they made off with the money and most of the food and the staff raced off because they were being threatened. I want the police to arrive and not look at and say... Weren't you dancing the Macarena last night? You filmed there. And by the way, what makes it even more ridiculous about the Macarena, right, is that they were dancing perfectly in time. So they'd obviously rehearsed it. It wasn't like, you know, when you do it, if you, well, I understand young people sometimes have a drink and they may dance and it's all just horrific and you never get. These four got it absolutely spot on. So they must have rehearsed it. Are you getting ready for the uh, pride? Yeah, I am actually. What, what are you doing, Sarge? Well, I've just got the and spin round, and it, uh, I just need the next bit. Where did it go after that? Oh yeah, hey mate. Oh. And then you put your arms behind. Got it. Got it. All right, there, Gov. Yeah, got it, Gov. No problems. That is the police. Meanwhile, young girls. Can I say this? Yeah, are being fatally shot in their homes. A young man has lost his life, presumably going to the carnival to have a good time. They're, oh, and I haven't even told you. I haven't even told you about Leeds two weeks ago, where men were attacking each other with machetes. That is lawless UK. Take it from me. Hug your children. Hug them very, very tight. This country is going to hell in a handcart, and we have a police who are dancing. And Home Secretary, by the way, she gets her served tomorrow, uh, later in the show, don't worry, that'll be in the next hour. She's saying to a newspaper today, I can't believe what those eco-mobs are doing with tunnelling in Essex. You're the bloody Home Secretary, love. It's down to you to get it done. You ring up the Chief of Essex Police. What? Sorry, hi, it's the Home Secretary. Oh, hello, Home Secretary. Isn't it right? Well, obviously it's not all right, is it? What are you doing in Essex? Well, we've sent down blankets and water. Pardon? Yeah, we've sent water and blankets to them. But, but oh, you've just shut roads, right? Not that it matters that much, but newspapers can't be printed. I'm sure the world will continue without that. We won't survive it. And you're sending down blankets? Yeah, but we have got a special specialist unit talking to them. We'll put up the helicopters. He does get it right. He gets it mostly right. I would say, in my humble opinion, which isn't that humble. But we are I haven't seen to. You are welcome to. I haven't seen uh, Ferrari for a while. He didn't lose any weight over lockdown, did he? No, no, he um, certainly didn't. He it looked is like he put why, on a couple. Yeah. He is why people of the right, you know, conservatives, get called gammon because he looks like a gammon joint. And I actually really take offence to that uh, as a term. And if anyone ever did call it to me, me 
to my face, they would soon find out just how much I objected to it. But he sat there fat as as you like. In fact, if he got any fatter, he'd lose all features and become a sphere. He's got his little red glasses on. He looks more like Christopher Biggins. Having said that, Christopher Biggins, only our British audience will know who that man is, um, has actually lost weight. So actually, Nick Ferrari looks like Christopher Biggins a few years ago. As I said at the start of this piece, I've got no issue with police joining in. They're still on the periphery. They shouldn't be in the middle unless they're off duty. And if they're off duty, they shouldn't be in uniform. You don't want your police to be totalitarian, to be draconian. You want them to be human so that they treat you with the respect that humans are due and you treat them with the same respect until it's time not to to be respectful, at which point the police should come down heavily with all the force and training that they've been provided with. Yeah, I, I don't want to see restaurants torn to pieces, even if it is a, a big global chain like McDonald's. What people uh, need to remember is it's not owned by McDonald's PLC. It's a franchise that somebody has bought and and there'll be a family reliant on the income from that restaurant as well as the workers. Yeah, uh, Ferrari's got it partially right, uh, not entirely, as one would expect, because at the end of the day, he's on a radio station that is, um, you know, four steps left of um, Stalin. <laughs> yeah. And he's only there as, as, as um, you know, controlled opposition, as, as you said. Mm hmm. I do have some good news in all of this, and this is one piece of good news that uh, Bruce that and I were welcome. Of course, uh, this is one good. Uh, this is one piece of good news that Bruce and I found last night. In all of this, we did find out that the UK police that they, they have gotten some new canine units, and uh, they're going to be uh, deploying those as soon as possible to help them fight this crime. Now, as you see here, they've got two of the units uh, with them. As you can this, see. Oh, come on. This, this had to be during one of the Pride marches, didn't it? I have no idea when this was. Because you've got two... Well, they're, they're not even furries. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, the furries uh, at least look a bit cute. You've got two people in latex bodysuits with dog masks and leads on God. being held by two police officers. That is... No. See, they've, they've taken it too far there. Yes. With on on this point, I I agree with Ferrari. They shouldn't be doing that. That degrades them. If people but it's, it's have exactly a, what they're trying to do in the U.S. They're trying to turn the police into social workers. That's what they're trying to do. They're they're trying to turn them into this a good uh, force that's going to a social worker. Well, that's I, true. I'm sorry, but that's true. But a, a good policeman is a social worker because not every time he they get called out or police officer, I should say, and, and not be sexist, every time they get called out, it doesn't have to end in an arrest. It doesn't have to end in charges. If That's the true. situation can be diffused and supported, we've got more and more damaged people in our both our societies, the, the United States, here in the UK, we've got more and more damaged people, and they screw up. They screw up regularly. But do they, do they really need to go into the, the prison system? Or do they just need a good talking to and, and maybe given the, the police officer's card so that if there's a problem in the future, they can call direct, you know, that that kind of thing. In the old day, community policing, uh, in you know, when I was a kid, uh, it was my uncle. My uncle was the um, the, the local. With a real canine. Oh, know. yes. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get into much trouble as a kid. I didn't get caught. That's that's the main thing. That was That was always the main fear, getting caught. Whereas these guys wrecking, wrecking McDonald's, these guys rioting and, and fighting in the middle of a, a of a carnival with cameras everywhere, they don't care if they get caught. That's the problem that we've got. They don't care anymore because everything is breaking down. You should never leave someone with nothing to lose because that's when you, you see what they are truly capable of. And these lot are just capable of, of being a nuisance being a risk, being a hazard, mostly to themselves, especially the ones dancing on the bus shelter. Yeah. Because there, you know, there could have been several broken expect? backs, broken necks, was gonna crush industry, it, industries, injuries. 
I, I guess I should have specified a little bit better when I said social worker. Yes, you're you're absolutely right. Police are so, social workers first and foremost. That is true. They do get called to play referee more often than not. Believe me, I've I've been out there and, and had to deal with that before. But I guess it's it's being transformed. It's being shifted, as in like the the, the focus of what the police departments are supposed to do. It's being turned into, uh, and this goes to your point of the uh, the what was it, the twenty thousand lackeys that they just hired that they're going to be brought in, they're going to be indoctrinated into the new way of doing things, the new officers. They're being paid to be political enforcers now. That's what it's all about, is they're to conform to this new uh, agenda that we're seeing out of like Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum and the uh, the ESG goals and and social credit and stuff like that. They're the enforcers of the system. And it's to enforce the the groups that they turn against each other. Just in the same way as the IRS agents in the States. Exactly. Um, it, it's another arm. It's another battalion, another regiment of people who will enforce these corrupt governments' totalitarian measures. Uh, and, you know, one of the few strong protests that people have, uh, and you show, you know, the guy in the, the TikTok video that we looked at in prep suggested it, but then he said, oh, no, you've got to pay your taxes, is, is actually withholding your taxes. What you've got to be sure of is that you keep the money so that when everything is resolved, you can pay it. Otherwise, you're going to jail or you're going to suffer. They're going to charge you even more. But one of the few ways that people have got is is to withhold their taxes. Most of us are taxed at source with PAYE, pay as you earn. So you don't get that choice. But small businesses, self-employed people all submit yearly tax returns and if they wanted to protest properly, that's what they should do. They should withhold those taxes. They should say, right, the money's in in an account. It's not in my possession anymore. I'm not giving it to you because I don't trust what you're doing. So I'm suggesting a form of anarchy there. I know you want to move on to the next bit, so I'll let you do that after I've told a very short story about my experience working with police forces in the West Indies. I think it was on the island of, of Tortola. And uh, which is where they make pusses rum. They have uh, a festival that moves around the Caribbean year on year called Summerfest, Summer Festival. And it's a big reggae music festival. And I was working with uh, a local police officer to make sure that none of our guys and girls were getting into any trouble. As we're driving along in the car, we got cut up and he turned the lights on and, and the siren and pulled this guy over. And he walked to the car by himself. He left us in the car. And he said, uh, when he came back, he said, oh, he's, he's as drunk as a lord. I told him to go straight home. He should know better. He's a police officer. So that was an instant where it didn't want to, it probably should have wound up in, a, in an arrest, but didn't. That's not what I'm suggesting. But there are certain situations that don't have to wind up with people being put into the system. Sorry. What is it with you, English, always apologizing? I, you and Ned both do it. You both. I'm not really both. sorry. It's just polite. That's all. Get on with it. Yeah, I understand. Bruce, do you want to say something before I play this clip here? This is the last part of this uh, this segment. Yeah, um, I, I just wanted to uh, kind of reiterate the law enforcement thing and the, the tax thing. Here in the U.S., I, I kind of feel like they're expecting people to do exactly that, to withhold their taxes. Which is why they're gearing up the IRS. Um, 87,000 more employees. Yeah. yeah. And they're they're training them. Uh, horribly, might I add, but they're training them to kick in your door without a warrant to take those very taxes that you owe. So, well, how's the guy in the wheelchair going to kick the door open, or or the, or the big chunky monkeys that I was, we saw? I, was no say, I, th- I think the one with the gut in the Dunlap. I think he's going to hold the door open for him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if he could get up enough speed, he could take down quite a sizable door. That I is imagine. True. That That's is true. true. Yeah, but he would have That's to true. because they the 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 guy that was in front of him, the the one that looked like he was, I don't know, maybe a hundred pounds ones, soaking wet, he couldn't do much. The either. ones that are stacked up behind him should go and train on a bouncy castle, um, or whatever you call them in the states, because <laughs> out, yeah, yeah, when they try and get open into the property, they will of course um have his vast body to deal with. I agree with you. That's what. That's what I think people should do. But at the same time, it's kind of an element of, are we playing into their hand? You know, how much of this is, they want some kind of resistance like that. But at the same time, we're kind of stuck in a, stuck in in between a rock. Like what, what are we, what else are we supposed to do? I know we've got this, this other part of this whole piece to talk about, which Johnny's queued up ready. 
Carry on, sir. Last clip of the lawlessness. This is a former police officer that was on the BBC. And based on what you're about to hear from this guy and how he talks to this uh, this presenter, I can pretty much bet that they're probably not going to have him back. There's lots and lots of dedicated officers, but too many chief constables are focusing on the wrong things. There's almost too much wokery, too much political correctness, too much focus on things that don't affect everyday lives. Last year, for example, Merseyside Police had a big banner saying causing an offence is an offence and had four officers by the side of it. Now, then they had to apologise because causing an offence isn't an offence. Uh, and those four officers would have been better deployed trying to catch burglars. There will also be people actually saying what you define as wokeism is actually an important project to try and make the police force more diverse. There are actually things that need to happen. You, you want a police force that reflects, for example, uh, the public that it is uh, policing, so I don't quite know what you mean by that, but there will be well, specific me, examples. But, but that isn't going to be the majority of police time, isn't it? Is it? It's In a lot way. of police. It's a focus. What we have here is a lack of focus. There's a lack of focus on crime. So when people's houses are burgled, often the police don't even turn up to that. And this is what the public see. And then the public see the news reports of an 87-year-old man being been stabbed to death in the street. This report of terrible, a young girl killed in her own home. It's not good enough. And the facts are these. I've never had anybody complain to me that they didn't like the colour or sexuality of the officer who came to help them. What they complain about is the lack of professionalism or just the fact that somebody's not turned up to help them for that much. So that bike theft might seem minor, but if it's a child getting to school or, or somebody's tools out of the van, that's an important thing. And what happens is, is that criminals see that they can get away with that. They can dominate the area by uh, drug dealing and gangs. And what happens is the normal people, whoever they are, black or white, have to live in fear. Yeah, he he's uh, he's never coming back on the BBC, is he? Nope. That presenter that that news anchor well it rhymes with anchor he didn't like it he knew that that guy was going against the narrative and he got upset yeah. about it didn't he yeah. tried to I turn mean, him on to the wokeness he says oh well oh you, something you call wokeness but isn't it more about just the diversity that they need to key on he says well no i'll explain what i mean <laughs> well look i've no idea what the and and i should have no idea no one should have any idea what the exact percentage of people who are not heterosexual in this country is no, it's um, because it's no one else's business but theirs quite frankly however we are only 14% 14% b a m e black asian middle eastern in this country and the way police force sorry police service Recruitment advertising has been going. It's absolutely ludicrous because you could honestly think, oh, hang on, they don't want any white men in the police force. Okay, because all the adverts are Asian women, black women, Asian men. And if they could make someone uh, appear to be gay in police uniform, they would do that as well. And again, it's nobody else's business. Like he said, they're not concerned about what colour or sexuality the police officer is that comes to their assistance. It's just, were they there in time and were they able to help? That's all anyone should be concerned with. Everything else is just wokery. And it's it's a big distraction to stop proper policing. I've got to say, though, the story, it's not a story because it's someone's lives and the loss of that nine-year-old girl. There's no way policing could have prevented that because... What you had was a hit put out on someone, one drug gang to another drug gang, and the guy was being chased through the streets by someone trying to kill him. Now, the story goes, that that has been released to the media anyway, is that the mother of that poor child, or the poor mother of that young child, opened the door to see what was going on. Now, you hear gunshots in the street, and you're a woman alone with your young child in the house. You don't open the door. You get on the phone and phone the police, or you should do. So this guy sees an open door, and he's got a guy with a gun chasing him, and he runs in. The hitman fires, hits the mother in the arm, and the child in the chest. But all over the news, it's murder, murder, murder. And again, I'm I'm just speaking as, as I find it, the word murder should not have been used, because that could prejudice any trial that may happen in the future. The actual charge would be unlawful killing or manslaughter because 
he was actually shooting at the guy he'd been paid to hit, not the mother and the child. The BBC and ITV were getting it wrong in the way they were reporting it and the terminology they were using. And then to see that news, uh, I wouldn't call him a journalist, he, he's a, a propagandist, tried to argue back to an experienced ex-police officer about what the actual problem is. It's just disgusting, but it's very revealing at the same time. You find the same thing out of uh, American media outlets as well. They'll bring on somebody that obviously the host, they don't schedule or the presenter, they don't schedule the guest. They're people behind the scenes arrange them and then they get them on. So I would guess that this person was not screened. That's probably just somebody that they grabbed last minute because they had a cancellation of some yes man uh, to sit up there. But anyway, let's uh, let's go ahead and pivot here because we're running out of time. Well, we talked last week about uh, Prince Charles being an eco-warrior, and this week we're going to... You want to jump in already? Yeah, I do. I listened to to yesterday's podcast, or today's uh -huh. actually. What you said was that Prince Charles had said that China is a world leader in green energies. Yes. What he actually said in that piece, and don't get me wrong, I don't want to defend Charles Windsor for anything because he, as far as I'm concerned, he's a WEF sellout who doesn't deserve any kind of support, and he certainly doesn't deserve to be king of my great country. What he actually said was, China is key to greener solutions. Oh, I see. And by that, I know what he means. He means we've got to stop China from polluting. We've got to stop them from using so much coal, so much fossil fuel. Mm, maybe, because maybe that's not. all they're doing. Maybe, maybe not. Because I... I think I see that in a different way. Let me explain. I see it in a different way. China's key to it, meaning they're the ones looking at it from the Western perspective. They're the ones that are going to be manufacturing everything that they're going to have business deals with that they're going to buy and shove on us. Well, yeah, that is also true. Just because one thing is true doesn't make something else That's true. not true. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all I wanted to say because I, 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 know, I, know, I knew what you meant, but I'd, I'd like to be accurate. Fair enough. Fair enough. And uh, I'll I'll give you that, right? I, hey, I, I get it wrong a lot. You know, I'm, I'm not perfect. But no, no, you know. no, I wouldn't say a lot, Johnny. Don't be hard on yourself. No that's one's a bigger I'm self. For. Yeah, that's true. No one's a bigger self critic of yourself than yourself, though. I mean, that's that's kind of how it well, is. Well, you shouldn't be, because if if you're not, then you're a narcissist. That's true. Yeah, I guess I yeah I should tread very carefully with that because we don't want to go down that road, do we? Says the man who says his own narcissism needs feeding, so he needs to come on the podcast more often. You wanted to talk about Just Stop Oil. Uh, this is them smashing out some uh, petrol pumps in uh, uh, in central London there. Uh, as you can yeah. see, that now the, the news cameras, they were just, I, they, they just happened to yeah, be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they no, just no, happened look, to be there. This, this young lady here has got a degree in gender studies, which has been paid for by the Open Society Foundation, no doubt. And this lady here is a lecturer in gender studies uh, and air guitar. She also makes quite a good living tutoring air guitar uh, graduates. And look, they're just walking up and smashing, causing literally tens of thousands of pounds worth of damage on each one of these petrol pumps and she's not being stopped the guy who's there behind the counter in in the petrol station it's not worth his while to even attempt to stop this from happening because he won't get the backup from the company he'll get fired for assault or or something stupid like that because that's the way they've engineered things but the point is, these kind of protests, there'll be outrage. There'll be outrage in Westminster, and you'll find there will be an even bigger amendment to the policing bill, which just got through a little while ago, which will make any form of protest illegal. That's what this is all about. This is not about stopping oil, because it won't stop oil. But what it will do is allow the government an excuse to stop other types of protest. I mean, I'd have already, I don't care. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not into hitting women, but she would have been rugby tackled to the ground and thrown off my forecourt oh, really, wow. really quick. She, and the big, she does the big wet drink weapon. of water you've got there. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, another guy, you know, smashing up the, the petrol pumps. Would he, would he really have been able to stop? Someone removing I, I him? I don't think so. No, he, he, look at him. Bless. He looks like he can <laughs> he can barely hold that hammer he's got in his hand. No, uh, it, it's it, it's disgraceful. And if I or someone like me had have been there at the time, 
none of this would have happened. Uh, it's as simple as that. We, but they'll just go back we tomorrow. They'll, they'll just go back tomorrow is the thing. Well, we were talking in prep about part of the things that you were saying on the, on the last podcast and how government is bad and that you wouldn't have the energy crisis, you wouldn't have rising inflation, you wouldn't have a broken economy, you wouldn't have businesses uh, going bust if it wasn't for the actions of government. So government is indeed bad. But people have elected those governments. People have allowed those things to happen. We, the people, have not been vociferous and taken action enough against the crap that is being inflicted on us. So we need to stop being nice for a while and get serious about what our governments are doing to us. And stuff like this with, with the uh, stop oil, it's, it's a distraction and it's a distraction with a purpose. And the purpose is to clamp down on our future rights to protest. You're absolutely right. And to your point there, I'm, well, I mean, you made several points, but one of the key points you made right there at the end was you need to not put up with as much crap from the government, right? And I, I'm, I'm fully on board with you. I, I completely agree with you. We shouldn't be putting up with that. So much so that you've actually got an agency boss out of uh, the UK who is, his name is uh, uh, Sir James Beaven. And he is the... Uh, He's the head of the Environment Agency uh, in the UK. And he has said, uh, this is a write-up out of the, uh, the Evening Standard, he has said that people must be less squeamish about drinking water from sewage. He says this is perfectly safe and healthy, but not something that many people fancy. He outlined measures uh, ministers, water companies, and ordinary people should take to avoid severe droughts. Apparently, you've got severe droughts that you're going to have to... This is what you're going to have to do in order to deal with that. He believes homeowners more seriously consider drinking recycled lavatory water or face the threat of shortages in as little as 20 years. Suppliers are planning toilet-to-tap systems that will turn sewage from lavatories, sinks, bathtubs into drinking water by treating it. He says we'll need to be less squeamish about where it comes from. Uh, he says... Part of the future solution will be to reprocess the water that results from sewage treatment and turn it back into drinking water. He says it's perfectly safe and healthy, but again, not something that many people fancy. And you can guess that the reasoning behind all this is because of climate change. As far as I was aware, around about 60% of our water is retrieved in that way. Each glass of water you drink has probably been through someone seven or eight times. We've got sewage treatment plants and the, and the water that comes out of a treatment plant goes back into the water course, which then feeds the reservoirs, which then gets extracted and, and brought back. So it's through a natural process. Sorry, Bruce, go on. That is exactly that right there. What The process you just described... That's a natural filtration system. See, the problem yeah. with the, the sewage uh, reclamation systems that we have today, there are so many chemicals that are made on the daily that are new that these water treatment plants have to account for that they can't pull all of it out. And not only uh, that, but the drugs and pharmaceuticals and everything people take, um, you can't get that out of the system either. Uh, so you, you have to have that natural filtration process to pull the rest of the material out that we can't filter out. So without that, if you're just going to go straight from tap to sewage back to tap again, there is no filtration process. You're going to be taking up someone down the street that's taking some kind of pharmaceutical drug. You're going to be having that in your system now uh, on, on top of whether, whatever other chemicals they're putting down the drain. Supposed to be fair, and I really am, I'm playing devil's advocate here. To be fair, it depends on how good the home filtration system is. If they can't remove those things and there's not a testing part of the process where all of these things are, are declared at safe levels because you're always going to get trace, you are always going to get trace, then no, it, it, it definitely shouldn't be done. However, if I could stop having to pay a, a, for, for my own water supply, uh, I think we're paying something like £60 a month for one element, which is the supply of water, and about 40 to £50 a month for it to be taken away in the sewage treatment. You pay two separate companies, one to supply you and one to take the sewage away. If I could reduce those costs, I'd consider having my own 
wastewater recycled, my own, not taken from a large area or or, or anything like, like that, you know, but individual households, because at least that way, you know what you're taking, you know what you're putting through it. I, I don't know, but you mentioned the UAE uh, on the last podcast as well did, about yeah. the desalination, desalination plants. We're also an island. We're surrounded by seawater. We could also use desalination plants to create fresh, clean water, but we don't. They do it in uh, jib. We don't because they do it in jib, and they well, they, it used to be off the water catchment construction at, at the back of the uh, at the back of the rock, a massive concrete slope that catches moisture and rainfall, but it still needs to be supplied in part through Spain through La Linea from from Spanish reservoirs as well. So now they've got desalination plants. They certainly have in the UAE. The, the tap water isn't nice. It, it's it's not like our tap water here in the UK, which is very, very drinkable. You can taste um, the difference between desalinated water uh, and the bottled water that everybody in the UAE buys and drinks. If anywhere is guilty of overuse of single-use plastics, that's one country right there that does it. I mean, most people have the water coolers with the, the big five-gallon bottles on the top. Funny old thing, here in, the, here in the UK, out of most of the NHS properties, those water coolers have now been removed because of, air quotes, COVID problems. But Because they it, cause it congregation. Was, they cause a congregation yeah. around them. So, so the staff and patients are now having to drink the water out of the taps from these hospitals that have been around for quite a while, you've heard of Legionnaires' disease, haven't you? Oh yes. Yeah, for from um, water, yeah, problems with with water tanks and and the filtration and it coming coming out in in tap water. Most of the time, when there's an outbreak of of Legionnaires' disease, it's from a big complex building that shares a, a water tank. This is usually what what happens. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but what I will say is we have enough water in the UK. The problem is the companies that are charging us a lot of money every month for for our water and to take our water away haven't kept their maintenance on their supply lines up. So we've got a lot of leakage. We've got a lot of um, underground water pipes that leak and we lose hundreds of thousands of gallons every year through bad maintenance. I just want to uh, couch a little bit of what I said. The individual uh, I got a lot of that information from about the water treatment and everything, uh, they worked at a, a, a water treatment plant for years. Now, that was back in the 90s. Uh, so it's been a while. Things have changed a bit. So it may not be as um, uh, dark as I said, shall, shall I put it that way. Uh, but that said, I don't drink tap water. After knowing the kind of stuff that goes on at the water treatment plants, the kind of chemicals that go through there, um, I go through an extra process of distilling the water. Um, so uh, personally, I, I'm not interested in in drinking sewage water. I, I, I just don't have well, any interest in it. Part of the process, at least from the sewage plants, sewage treatment plants I've seen, is you get uh, water running over small stones which are porous and uh, you know, at shallow depths. So they're open to sunlight and ultraviolet rays kills an awful lot of bugs. Particulate stuff in the water, we know what that is in most cases, sticks to the stones and they get raked out and changed on a regular basis. But the water that winds up re-entering the, the, the rivers is 99.9% is .9 clear again, just by that simple process. So to have a household filtration system, which would uh, be a bit more complex and a bit more effective, I can't see, I truly can't see a problem with that as long as it's your household so that your grey water gets turned back into clean water. Again, we probably wouldn't um, drink that straight away. It would be boiled, then drunk, as, as you say, distilling the water, deoxygenate it, putting it through a heat treatment, uh, and those kind of things. I mean, a lot of places now uh, have got these. Um, well, it's a trade name, but there's it's spelled K double O K E R or Q U double O cooker, which uh, is a tap that provides you with boiling water, fizzy water, 
and cold fresh water all, all in one. And if you link that up or something like that, and so that everything that comes out of your tap has been through a heat treatment, then it would still be safe. And we, we shouldn't be squeamish about it. I've had to um, fill a sock with sphagnum moss and squeeze out some water to drink. But that was on a military exercise, and that was just to show me that it could be done, you know? Um, when you go through survival training, you have to learn how to do those things. So, I mean, it's just well, normal. Well, exactly. So I'm I'm not that squeamish about it. But believe you me, if if I was thirsty enough, um, I'd, I'd do it again. Absolutely, of course. You got any final words? No, no, <laughs> not not tonight. I I okay. think we've um we've we've covered a lot again, and it's been very good. Thank you very much. Very cathartic. Lots off me chest. And we look forward to having you back next week, sir. Yes, yes, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm sure the situation won't have changed any. But something I said earlier on and something I know you've said, these narcissistic sociopaths that are running our lives at the moment, they need to wake up as well because they are very rapidly leaving us with nothing to lose. And when we get to that point, that's when they're going to see definition two and three of anarchy. So if anyone's coming into this a bit late, you'll have to go back in the podcast to hear Bruce read the definitions out that we talked about earlier. Bruce, you got any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, just just to kind of add to that, um, I think we it was in prep one, one day or after um, we watched a video of um, a gentleman that was talking about exactly that. We just want to be left alone. We just want to live our lives, you know, uh, have a family, wife, kids, you know, whatever. But when we're finally to the point to where they're, there's nothing left. There's nothing left to lose. That's it. You, you, you've you ruined our lives. I hope we never get to that point because that's when you will see true brutality. When when you've seen someone with nothing else to lose, there is nothing left to govern him, to curb the primal rage. And I hope we never I hope we never get there. It's right there in in, in our central brain, isn't it? Where where the flee or fight response is um, is hardwired and established. You only run if you've got a chance to get to somewhere safe. So if you have to stop and fight, uh, you're like a cornered rat and you'll go straight for the throat. So brutal is the right word, Bruce. Yep, and uh, past that, I, I, I do want to kind of reiterate that it's important for you to get involved in your local communities. It's important for you to get involved in your local elections. Uh, because some of the things we talked about here, like the the local problems and everything, that could potentially be solved by you getting involved in your local communities, getting involved in your uh, uh, local elections. I, I mean, even even just bringing back tar and feathering. I mean, you, you know what I mean? Like, oh, tar and feather on. these people for come doing on. that, you know? You, you've got to forgive him. Well, you're both from the Midwest, or sort of. But Bruce is right. If more awake people got involved at a local government and local community level, it would at least slow the rot down. And a fish rots from the head, and at the moment, the head is rotting firmly and it's spreading to us. What we want to do is, actually, it's the wrong analogy because you still want us to stay alive, but we want them to finish themselves off in their own self-destructive way that they are already doing and us to slow their influence down. And the only way we can do that is by having a bigger say in what happens at a local level. And to a certain extent, that's on the route to anarchy because what we're looking at there is families deciding how they're going to live and what they're going to do, villages and then towns, and it expands out. It is on the road, yes. I, I agree with you on that. It is, it is on the road, yes. But it's also a structured form of decentralized government, self-rule. As in, you still have the governmental bodies, but it's it's established at the local level where you have the communities that are self-sustaining. So it's not like you have lawless anarchy. You have to establish law and order and a judiciary system at the local level so you can keep law and order and keep peace. Yeah, and, and I believe you'll realize that we, we actually said that when we talked about it in the first place, that you have to have a code by which to live, regardless of, of the, your faith status, basically knowing how to treat people, knowing how to do what you need to do without stepping on anyone's toes, because it's when you step on people's toes that that's when the conflict and the rioting and the and the fights start to happen, or should do. It shouldn't happen until then. As long as you're keeping yourself to yourself and living your, your best life, 
you shouldn't get bothered. I don't have any final words myself, as in like I don't have a long drawn out thing that I can go into because I think I've talked enough this week. But there is one thing that I would like to say. And I pulled that clip that you were talking about, Bruce, of that guy uh, talking about the men that just wanted to be left alone. That's how we're going to end today, because I think that's extremely important. I think people need to hear that because we are rapidly approaching the point that you talked about, Marty. And I think it's going to get closer as the uh, the winter ensues and these governments continue to do what they're doing on purpose. Uh, but I'd just like to say this. If big government were the answer to these problems, then it was a stupid question to begin with, wasn't it? Gentlemen, I want to thank you both for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. And we will see everyone at the first of the week. The most terrifying force of death comes from the hands of men who just wanted to be left alone. They try so very hard to mind their own business and provide for themselves and those they love. They resist every impulse to fight back, knowing the forced and permanent change of life that will come from it. They know that the moment they fight back, their lives as they have lived them are over. The moment that the men who wanted to be left alone are forced to fight back, it's a form of suicide. They are literally killing off who they used to be. Which is why, when forced to take up violence, these men who wanted to be left alone fight with unholy vengeance against those who murdered their former lives. They fight with raw hate and a drive that cannot be fathomed by those who are merely play-acting at politics and terror. True terror will arrive at these people's door and they will cry, scream, and beg for mercy, but will fall upon the deaf ears of the men who just wanted to be left alone.